Welcome to Overflowing Bookshelves, a podcast for people who love the written word. Could you spend hours browsing through a bookstore? Is your happy place curled up under a blanket with a good book, or perhaps writing a story of your own? Are you constantly adding to your to-be-read list, even though your bookshelves are already overflowing? If so, this podcast is for you. Tune in to hear authentic conversations with published authors about their creative processes, paths to publication, and advice for living your most fruitful and inspired life. I'm your host, Dallas Woodburn, and I am absolutely delighted that you are here with us today. I am the author of the short story collection, Woman Running Late in a Dress, and the YA novel, The Best Week That Never Happened. I'm also a professional book coach, and I am passionate about helping people give birth to their own unique stories. You can connect with me at my website, dallaswoodburnauthor.com, and on Facebook and Instagram at dallaswoodburnauthor. Without further ado, let's dive into today's interview. Welcome to episode 41 of Overflowing Bookshelves podcast. I'm really pleased to share with you today's guest, Ruth Mitchell. She's the author of the award-winning novel, Deleted, which is described as Inception meets 51st Dates. Ruth was born and raised in Salt Lake City and grew up writing plays for the neighborhood kids and exploring the woods near her home. In high school, she founded a Dead Poet Society, as well as successfully campaigning to make the school's all-male service club accept female students. She met her husband, Bill, on their first day of classes at the University of Utah, where she graduated with a BA in journalism. Working for the Deseret News, she reported on wildfires, shootings, and human interest stories. When her husband finished medical school, they moved with their two small daughters to Texas. In Dallas, they learned to love good barbecue, blue bonnets, and Texans. With a little Texan in tow, a boy, they moved to San Diego. In California, they welcomed another son and put down roots. In addition to dreaming up new book ideas, Ruth loves long, rambling conversations, baking, hiking, party planning, and running slowly along the coasts and canyons of Southern California. It was really fun to talk with Ruth about her journey as a writer, the publication of her debut novel, and all that she has in store for the future. I think you'll really enjoy today's conversation on overflowing bookshelves. Thanks for being here. Ruth, welcome to the podcast. I am so excited to have you on today. I am so happy to be here. Thank you, Dallas. Thank you for being here. I love to start off just by learning about my um, guest's journey as a writer. So I would just love to hear if you want to share a little bit about how you first fell in love with writing, how you got started, and kind of give us a sneak peek into the beginnings of your writing journey. Okay. Um, I definitely qualify as one of those people who... I don't remember much before wanting to be a writer. Like I, you know, I was, I was writing stories as a child, always very imaginative. Um, I did the thing that got in my way. And I think this is the thing that gets in the way for most writers is it didn't seem like a very feasible dream. So I always wanted to be a writer. Um, but then as I was approaching college, I thought, well, I, I chose to, major in journalism, which is writing. 
And, uh, and I was still kind of, you know, I kind of put most of my fiction dreams away. And, um, and then I did work as a reporter. And then I worked in marketing. And then when I quit that job, because we moved to another state, we moved to Dallas, actually. Oh. Uh, I, um, I started working on fiction for myself. And I uh, I really loved writing, but a huge hang up I had was I felt like I was writing the great American novel or I had to write the great American novel. So I'd, you know, agonize over every word and try to get it perfect. And I spent 10 years writing this book <laughs> and, wow. um, and I, it, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't working on all the time because I had children and other things going on. And I, in the meantime, we moved to San Diego, which is where I live now. And a friend had invited me to hear an author speak. And it was, um, I'm not going to get his name right. Alexander McCall. He writes The Ladies Detective Agency. Yes, I know those books. Okay, yeah. And he was talking and it was good hearing him speak, but it was the question and answer session. And an author in the audience, not an author, a writer in the audience said, what do you do if you're working on your first book and you just, it's not going anywhere. And I I mean, they could have been speaking for me (laughs) and he didn't, he didn't even think for a moment. He said, start your next book. (laughs) And that just sunk in. Like I knew I went home that day and I started a different book. Um, And, and suddenly the writing went a lot faster. I also, he didn't say this, but I also kind of lowered my standards, you know, Mm -hmm. and like, I'm just going to write for fun. I wrote that book and then I wrote a screenplay and then I wrote, um, my first published book deleted. So I had this like 10 year arduous time where I was trying to write so seriously and then in a much shorter period, still a long time, it's probably another 10 years, I wrote four or five things and um, and I kind of found my voice. I wish, you know, you can't go back in time or whatever, but I wish I had just done that earlier, you know, mm-hmm. uh, two things in a way, taking myself as a writer more seriously and like said, yeah, this is cool. I can be a writer. And two, taking the writing a little less seriously, if that makes sense. Yes, that makes perfect sense. I love that. And I think that is, you just touch on the balance of wanting to, yes, claim yourself as a writer, take yourself seriously as a writer, but like you're saying, still find fun in the process when you can and not have it be so agonizing. It's so funny, just your story made me think of, um, I met you through our publisher, Immortal Works, who's publishing my novel, Thanks, Carissa, for Ruining My Life, which was my kind of secret fun project that I worked Uh on at night (laughs) when I was getting my MFA in very serious literary fiction. So it's just kind of funny that we both had, I recognize a lot of what you're sharing in your story. Um, Well, can you tell us a little bit more about Deleted and about, um, I love that book. I told you, I just, I love your book so much. And I would love to hear a little bit about what the process was of writing that book, how the idea came to you. And if you want to just share a little bit more with listeners about Deleted. Okay, great. Yes. Deleted is um, a YA book set in the near future. I like to think of it as pre-dystopian it's not quite (laughs) dystopian but it's in that vein where everybody um 
wears these glasses called specs and it's like the the smartphones you know everyone's the successor to smartphones and um they're thought activated so you always have your computer on your and you know when i came up with this idea I didn't even know about Google Glasses, but... Oh, interesting. But the reality is, yeah, it's funny. Life imitating art. Mm -hmm. Yes. You think you're so creative, but people are working on this stuff. Um, So everybody's wearing these smart glasses and they're thought activated. And some college students find out a way to hack into other people's memories. And um, at first, this is kind of cool. They can solve, you know, mysteries, but then it turns out it gets them in trouble. I think that's enough um, yes. about the gist of it. I um, I have always, always had this idea. I don't even know what where I had this idea, but I would like to edit my life, you know, mm. just something the character says in there that she wishes she'd done something embarrassing and she wants to erase the memory of the embarrassing things she does in front of her crush. And... Um, that's just something I've always thought about in my life, probably because I am a writer and I yeah. can, as a writer, edit and take things out. And I just wish I could do that with my real life. Um, so I've had that idea for a long time. And then one day, you know how that happens. You have one idea and then a second idea hits. And I thought, oh, there could be the way they could edit memories is these thought activated um, glasses and people could hack into them. And so that's kind of, and, and once I had that idea, the whole book came together pretty fast. Um, I had the whole story, it took me a while to get it written, but I had it outlined-ish, mm-hmm. I had it outlined-ish, you know, um, I am, there's always the question, you know, a plotster or a pantster. I was going to ask you. <laughs> <laughs> and I am, uh, I think it's, um, Correct. I'm not sure if I've never said her name before, but Maggie Stiefvater. Is it Stiefvater? I don't know how to pronounce her last name. Woman I don't know. Her. I don't know, actually. She wrote Scorpio we'll, we'll Graces and, mm-hmm. you know, you know, the author. Yeah. Yeah, I remember hearing she, her say that um, the way you outline a book is just like planning a vacation, you know, you or a road trip. You know, you have some stops planned. You have some sites you think you're going to see, but you might, you know, how that happens on a road trip. You might yeah. stop and you might um, see something else exciting and stop there. Um, and that's 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 pretty close to how I outline books. I love I that analogy. Have, yeah, I do have an outline, but sometimes the characters take over. Um, sp- you know, some other time I can tell you, there's a very spoilery big change that happened in my book that was not in the initial outline at all. Ooh, after we stop recording, you need to tell me. Yeah, I will. That was a character kind of taking over. So... But yeah, I worked on it. I still, you know, I'm, I was, you know, I'm a mother of four kids and I was still balancing my writing with taking care of my kids. And I, like I had said before, again, my biggest regret is I didn't take my writing seriously. Um, or I guess I didn't take myself as a writer seriously. So I wasn't working on this as consistently as maybe I should have been. So it took me about two years to write it. Um, but that was not at all in any way a consistent writing. Um, it just took that much time to do it because life, this would be work on it and then let two months go by and then work on it again. Yeah. What is, what, um, do you have a different writing routine now? Like what does your writing routine look like these days? Um, it's much better. <laughs> I, I devote mornings to writing. Um, so I, you know, basically 10 a.m. to 
1 p.m. is writing. Um, so I was I was writing up until about 12.50 uh, today. So, um, but that's a newish development. It's taken me a long time. And I'm also in a place where I can do that. But I try to be a writer every day, you know. And when I say be a writer, like, um, I can't count other writing things as writing. <laughs> like publicity or work or, you know, other things. So yeah. trying to get a good three hours in a day. Um, I'm still, I am, you know, if you're going to do the Mozart or Beethoven writer, I don't know if you know that Mozart was like a very fast, prodigious composer and Beethoven took forever. Uh-huh. I'm the Beethoven writer for sure. Uh-huh. Um, not that I'm, it's kind of a funny thing to compare yourself to either of them, but, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but I, but I'm definitely slow and plodding. And uh, as mentioned by that 10-year novel that no one's seen, um, I can spend a long time agonizing over word choice. Yes. In fact, I, I have a daughter at college and she was telling me the other day, she's like, oh, my teachers, they're, you know, they're anal- she's in a literature class and they're, they're analyzing it. It's like authors care about every word. You don't really do that, do you? <laughs> and I'm like, uh, yes, I do. But I mean, not completely, but yeah. Um, I also recently had somebody ask me about names of characters and I said, oh yeah, of course they have meaning. And they were like, really? I'm like, yes. I think we as authors spend quite a bit of time thinking about what we're going to name characters. Yes. That's a huge decision. Yeah. Well, and could you maybe talk a little bit more about, um, I guess, just what it's been like having your novel out in the world? If you want to give us a little insight into your path to publication. And then you did mention, I think that's a great, you know, great advice to separate your writing time from your other time that you're working on things related to writing, like publicity, marketing, all of that stuff. Um, Could you just share a little bit about, I guess, all of that, all of that part of the writing life? Yes, sure. Um, I'm going to try to keep it short. Um, Not that, not short, but I just have so many things to say on this. Um, First, I, you know, I finished the book and then I started sending it to agents and the traditional way of querying, querying, um, and I got great response right away. Um, but then I'd get, I got full requests, but then I'd get, um, my character is a freshman in college mm-hmm. and I kept getting, could you put her in high school? Mm-hmm. And I actually rewrote it. I did a revise and resubmit and put her in high school and, um, that is a, I think it's changing. That's a pretty norm for YA yes. books that they like to have the characters 16 or 17. And that didn't work for my book. Um, it's not too spoilery because it's on the back cover, but a character, she gets erased from everyone's memory, including like her parents aren't, don't even know she's missing. And um, that doesn't, work for a student who's still living at home and going to high school. I mean, that it, it does work in some situations, but this wasn't a story about that. And it also wasn't a boarding school story. And there's, you know, some of the, the, the love interests were a little bit older and I didn't want that big gap mm-hmm. in age. So I, cha- I, did, I, I, I decided not to do that. Um, and I, I wasn't happy with the high school switch. Um, so, but that was a, I kept running into that problem over and over again. And um, so eventually I was working on querying and um, a good friend who's also a writer said to me, you know, 
some books are for small publishers. Mm-hmm. And that again, that actually sunk in. And I had I was doing pitch wars, not or not um a second pitch map mm-hmm. on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And the next day I pitched my book and I got I always got responses from it um because it's a pretty, you know, has a pretty easy um log line, you know, mm-hmm. Lucy's erased. Wait, no one remembers Lucy except the man who erased her from everyone's memory. Mm-hmm. Probably shouldn't tell you that in the beginning. So Anyhow, compelling. I got requests and they were all small publishers. And I thought I'd never submitted to a small publisher. And I thought, you know, it's time. It's time I become a writer and stop, you know, because I could spend forever worrying about the words, getting it just right. Um, so I did submit. And that is, that would definitely be my advice to people who are querying at some point you might consider small publishers because once I did and I didn't even Dallas I didn't even try very hard I got so much you know positive oh yes yes I you know and um and so and so I think it's really true that there are some books that don't fit the box for the big five or now the big four but they they work for small publishers um, but for me, the decision to publish was just like, it, it was time to go. It's time for me to stop um, standing on the sidelines and time for me to take my writing seriously or myself as a writer seriously. And as such, it's been such a great journey. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, and I started out, um, you know, I feel like I've done all the mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> But I started out, you know, at first I just worried about, I didn't do anything on publicity. And then about four months before my book came out, um, somebody, a friend from my publisher is like, you really need to be doing stuff. And, um, and I'm like, oh, okay. And then I, um, I had, I started um, doing stuff on Instagram and kind of a corner of Instagram called Bookstagram. And, oh my goodness, I found my people. I found all these readers and, I made friends with people and, um, you know, started promoting my book and it has been, uh, really good. I would say that the surprising thing for me has been that the biggest part of like publishing a book, the best part of it that I didn't expect, because I think, I think I'm not uncommon, like most authors being a little bit introverted Mm -hmm. and kind of thinking you publish your book and then that's it or whatever. Um, But the best part has been meeting a lot of people. It's all the connections Um, and a mix of readers and writers and um, love connecting with readers who are fans in different parts of the world. It's really not, it's just such a great feeling. I would also say the sort of negative surprise is that, uh, I don't know if it's, a, yeah, is that you're a brand as an author and you have to promote yourself and that's not fun. Mm-hmm. And I think there was a point where I got confused with my brand and myself mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and then somebody would be critical of my book and I took it very, very personally. Um, and I, you know, I would like to say that I've grown up and I'm beyond that, but hard. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about that for sure, but I definitely feel like I have healthier boundaries now and realize, you know, that there's always, no one's going to like all the books out there and that's just fine. 
Yes, that is such great advice and just great for everyone to remember. Because yes, we think about, we dream about getting published and having our books out there. We don't think about the truth that there are going to be, just if you look statistically, you know, there are going to be some people that it's just not their cup of tea. Um, and so having to, do you, do you have any other advice too for just thinking about, you've given so much wonderful gems already, but just thinking about your journey as a writer, um, you know, the times where you did, ha- you had to face, you know, disappointment, the feedback of them, they wanted you to change, delete it and make them in high school. You know, like, do you have any advice for people who are listening, who are writers themselves and maybe struggling with dealing with some rejection, disappointment, um, you know, feedback that can be hard to hear? Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's hard to hear. It's, I think it's probably hard to believe, but if I could go back in time and talk to myself, as a writer, probably, like, maybe that's true that I should be telling myself the same advice right now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is my biggest regrets are all the time, is all the time I wasted feeling sorry for myself and not taking my ride, not taking myself seriously as a writer. Mm-hmm. It, it was, it, it really is true that self-doubt is the worst thing. <laughs> um, but you know, you do get rejected and when you get rejected, it's so, it's so easy to say, Oh my goodness, there's so many other things I could be doing, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I'm not, you know, so I might as well just give up. And I, that, that was my excuse to kind of be lazy, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, completely understandable. I just, you know, my heart is with all authors and all writers because it's such a hard journey. But um, the more I am a serious writer and the more joy I have in it, the less, you know, even, even like I was saying, like when I first started, you know, my book came out and I was doing a lot of publicity um, and I wasn't writing as much as I should have been. And that's when, um, that's when somebody saying something negative about the book might hurt more. When I'm having, you know, like today I had a great writing session this morning. Those things don't sting, right? Because I'm a writer and I'm just, I'm writing the next best thing and I'm just going to keep at it. So, you know, that's what, if I could go back to me pre-publishing, I'd say, just keep writing. Don't give up. Um, Now, I guess there is a little bit of giving up and saying, okay, I'm not going to do the traditional big five publishing. I'm going to go with a small publisher. But even that I don't think is giving up. I think that's actually just stepping in and Mm -hmm. getting to work. Um, I needed to, I needed to become a professional. Yes. Yes. And you're, and now having the book out there, like you said, being able to connect with readers learn so much through the process. And then now you're working on your next books too. So, and I love what you said about just finding the joy in the process of writing, because that's the part you have control over, right? Is the actual Mm -hmm. writing part of it. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Well, it has been so wonderful to talk with you. I can't believe the time just flew by. Um, but I would love for you to share for everyone listening who wants to connect with you um, on Bookstagram or on your website and wants to buy your book um, and just, yeah, follow you. What are the best places? Where, where do you hang out? What are the best places for people to connect with you? Yes. Just remember literally Ruth. <laughs> my, my Instagram handle is literally, literally Ruth Mitchell. Um, and then my, um, 
website is literally, I can't, I can't say it though, apparently, literallyruth.com. I, that's, those are the best places to find me. I hang out a lot on Instagram and you can find through Linktree links to my blog and to buy my book and about other things I'm publishing and working on as well. Fantastic. And like I said, I highly recommend, I just flew through Deleted. Um, it, was such, it was so fun to be able to talk with you and kind of hear how you got the idea for that. And um, I can't wait for your next book. So thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Okay. Thank you so much, Dallas. It's been a joy. Thank you so much for spending time with me today on Overflowing Bookshelves. If you enjoy this podcast, it would mean so much if you take a few minutes to write a review on iTunes or Stitcher to help other writers and book lovers find out about us. If you are kind enough to share this episode on social media, be sure to tag me at Dallas Woodburn Author on Instagram or Facebook. I love to surprise my listeners with fun prizes like free books and other literary swag. Also, I would love to hear your thoughts on the show and your ideas for future guests. Please visit my website, dallaswoodburnauthor.com to connect with me and offer your suggestions. Until next time, happy reading.